holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. A while back I ran across an article about the major benefit of having a brand ambassador instead of just a celebrity spokesperson. So in case you didn't know, Gone are the days when you could simply hire Jamie Lee Curtis to sit down and pretend to eat your yogurt. Now you've got to get Taylor Swift on board to wear Keds all the time. The guy who was writing about this said this, 
A brand ambassador is someone who eats, lives, and breathes your brand. So while a spokesperson may have name recognition, if there's no passion for the brand and its mission, you're wasting your money hiring them. Be prepared for a crass metaphor, okay? Sorry. John is closing out his gospel account for us with an incredible encounter that is filled with all sorts of theological implications for the life of the church. It's a story about faith and fear, doubt and devotion, and tucked away in it is this little nugget that works like a time bomb. It will quietly tick away in your brain until one day, if you'll let it, it will explode. I believe that this little story from John has the power to turn each of us from being a spokesperson, someone who may know all of the talking points about Christianity, someone who may even sit in the pew every Sunday or help out here and there. If we get what John is saying to us in this story, we'll go from being spokespersons to being real ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Christianity will go from a feature of your life to your very breath, to life itself. So let's set the scene. In our lesson, it's Easter night, and the disciples have heard by now that the tomb is empty, and they have locked themselves into the upper room out of fear for the authorities. Just three days prior to this, they watched from a distance as their rabbi suffocated to death, his skin hanging like ribbons on his back, his feet pressing into the nails for every breath he took. And regardless of the rumors that they have heard, they are absolutely gripped with fear. But if you're listening, our reading from Acts this evening, which is not that much longer in the timeline, they are completely opposite of fearful. They're not acting like hired spokespeople anymore. They're no longer sort of trying to make sure timidly that they have their lines. They are all in. So what happened? Well, Jesus comes and stands in their midst, we're told. Their door being locked it was no match for him. And he says the words that every human person, each one of us in this room, longs to hear, peace be with you. And he shows them his wounds, and they are overjoyed. He is alive. Everything he's told us about himself must be true. How he came for this purpose, not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might have life. And Jesus says it again. Peace be with you. The word peace in our linguistic range generally means some sort of ceasefire or quiet, right? We could say that after Grandma's China Hutch at that notorious Thanksgiving, you know, where, where the uncle really got wild, after Grandma's China Hutch fell to the ground with a loud crash, there was peace in the house. But in Hebrew, peace means wholeness. Just because the sound of the dishes breaking is over, doesn't mean shalom has been accomplished. The concept that Jesus and his disciples were working with in their Jewish minds is completely different than just a ceasefire. Jesus isn't telling the disciples, hey, the worst is over. No, he's telling them the restoration has begun. It's happening. I am setting the world to rights, and my resurrection is proof. And then, of course, the second half of the story is the one we're all familiar with. Thomas 
Our stand-in who wasn't there for that first part says, I'm not buying it. Unless I see him, unless I touch him, I will never believe. And Jesus arrives so patient, so loving, so all-knowing. He comes, and again, for the third time, he says to them, peace be with you. And then he proceeds to tell Thomas basically his exact doubts. It's almost the exact wording that Thomas used. He tells him to come and see him and touch him. As I said, there are about a billion implications for us in this passage, so I've had to pick and choose. We're not going to spend a ton of time here on Thomas, who responds, by the way, with the truest form of ecstatic worship. The words of Thomas give us the clearest indication that the apostles of Christ understood him to be the God of Israel. Thomas declares Jesus to be Lord and God, master and divine. And with Thomas, it's personal. It's my Lord and my God. Jesus doesn't brush past our doubts. He knows them all. And in his love and mercy, he is willing to overcome them. Doubting is a natural part of having faith. However, to remain in doubt all the time is unnatural for disciples of Christ. And so Jesus gently rebukes Thomas. I've met you now. Stop doubting and believe. But we still haven't answered our question. How do the disciples go from being totally afraid, even unbelieving, to outright refusing to obey the authorities that they were so afraid of, the authorities that had killed Jesus, and continue to preach Christ crucified and resurrection regardless of the cost to themselves. How does that happen? Is it just because, like Thomas, they actually got to see and touch him? This is, after all, part of what it means to be an apostle. St. Paul tells us that he is an apostle as one untimely born. He saw the risen Christ, but it was after the fact. They have all seen him. They were eyewitnesses to these things. That is part of what it means to be apostolic. But that's not all that it means to be apostolic. It doesn't even sum up why and how the apostles could go from hiding out to turning the entire known world upside down. The answer is when Jesus says to his disciples, peace be with you, as the Father, in the same way that the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And with that, he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He is giving his apostles the authority to be his body on earth, to constitute the church. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you, Jesus says. An apostle is a sent one. That's literally what it means. And being a sent one means eating, breathing, drinking, sleeping, only the one mission. This is all that there is. This is everything. As the Father has sent me, in the same way that the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Okay, how does the Father send Jesus? He sent him in love, in obscurity, in humility, in suffering and death, 
into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through him the world might have life, and that life would be the light of men. This is how the Father sends the Son into the world. And how does the Son go into the world himself? The Song of Solomon tells us, Listen, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. My dove in the clefts of the rock and the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, are vineyards that are in bloom. Maybe you decided to follow Jesus way back when because you heard that he was the only way of salvation. And that is true. And it's amazing news. But perhaps for some time now you've been locked away in a room of your own fear and doubt and you have done just enough to be a spokesperson. You're waiting on that big paycheck at the end. You're a believer, but there are all these little foxes that keep nibbling away at the buds of fruit in your life. And the reality is that daily life is hard. This last year has been immensely difficult for many people in this room in many different ways. Our life is fragmented, especially as we continue to emerge from this pandemic. We're back at a, at a massive pace, going a million different places, a million different directions at a million miles an hour. We've got careers and kids and dirty kitchens, but it's right here that there's the clincher. You're a sent one. If you're part of the apostolic church, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a sent one. As he was sent into the world with love and joy overflowing, he's sending you now. But the place you're sent to is the place that you are. There is no other place that you're sent to. You have been sent to those neighbors who are strange and loud at the wrong time of night. You have been sent to those kids who can be tedious and willful. You have been sent to that job with the harsh boss or the mundane tasks, and you have been sent to that kitchen sink filled with dishes for the tenth time that day. And the thing of it is, is that it's the tasks and the stresses of the daily grind. Those are not the little foxes that come in and ruin our vineyards. The foxes that come in and ruin our vineyards is our insistence that all of these things be about us, revolve around us, serve our mission, our plan, our desires for life. But self-centeredness is the way of death. It assumes that we are the owners, but the biblical story tells us we don't even own our own breath. When God created Adam, he breathed into him the breath of life, 
and created a living human being, an icon of God. And now Jesus Christ creates the church by breathing out upon the apostles the regenerating Holy Spirit. Friends, Jesus did not go out in the Father's sending, ho-hum and half-hearted. If he had, he would have turned back at the first sign of hardship. Jesus didn't just believe in his heart that his intentions toward humanity were good and full of love. No, Jesus came like a man overcome with love, like a man leaping across mountains and bounding over hills, a man who barrels through locked doors to wrap his arms around his beloved, around you, and to say to you, have peace. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. The vineyards are blooming. Amen.